Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. All right, you beautiful people. We are here. We are back. We are live as usual. We're live, guys. We're live. We're alive. Alive. I mean, we're being recorded. So I guess that's kind of, but then we haven't released any of our fun blooper things yet. So maybe they think we're just this epic and this perfect all the time. And they haven't gotten to experience a nonsense where we have to repeat things 15 times and they get them to edit it out because we sound stupid. That's why we have a great editor like Frank to do this for us. <laughs> makes us sound so much better. He does. He makes us sound so much better. Here's the great thing. We are talking about sci-fi and how it's affected our lives. <laughs> there you go. I can talk. I can speak. I swear I can do this. I know. I all the words. All the words. Yes. All the words. Everything. All the words. Yeah, I think sci-fi has, I think it's one of the biggest evolutionary genres we have because Half of the stuff that was written in the 20s, 30s, and 40s, that's not sci-fi anymore. Like having the the device in your hand where you can see everybody and communicate, that's not sci-fi anymore. That's real life. Everybody has that. Getting, you know, having a, a mobile device, having interconnections, being able to do a lot of this stuff, that's not even science fiction anymore. That's I, true. I think it's your only the only place I feel like science fiction has left is the super crazies right where body modification you have space you have robots and ai which again part of that we already have flying cars i want my flying, flying cars car. is a terrible idea people can't even figure out how to deal with a roundabout and you want to give them flight why do you think pilots go to school for so long flying cars are stupid whoever's working on it stop it if somebody hits my house because they are drunk drive flying, I'm going to be livid. Drunk drive flying. I like it. Is it even considered driving now? Would you have to have a pilot's license? Like, yeah. it's not driving, you know what I mean? So I feel like the only way you'd be able to do it is to get a pilot's license. You would have to, yeah. Because like motorcycles, of the... right? Like, you know how you're going to have a different license for a motorcycle? Well, here's the thing. 
would it be considered a would be planes even a thing anymore if you could just have a flying car humans should not all be able to do it i cannot stress this enough if you can't figure out a four-way stop or a roundabout you should not be allowed to have a flying thing you shouldn't even have a hoverboard like not even like those the like hoverboards we have now you know what i mean but like it's just no flying cars should not happen isn't that what those things are called that everybody's like going around on don't they call those hoverboards? those are like, technically hoverboards i know that there's i think that's what they call them right i don't even i the one wheelers i don't even know i i really don't but I do know that she is right that there's some things that people should not be doing, and that is flying. Because, again, thinking about it, there there's so many things that go into it. You have to understand the weather, you understand wind uh, direction, and the pressures. You have to deal with direction. Not only that, but it's not just like getting into a normal car accident, right? Yeah. Which is terrible in itself. You crash a car in the freaking air or run out of gas if you're one of those people. I've had those friends oh. that are like, no, it's it, my car's definitely not empty. And I'm like, well, it definitely says it's low gas. It's like, no, I know my car. Cars falling out of the damn sky because you guys don't want to stop and get gas. Or like, and then it's like you're not just you're not just running out of gas, like you're falling, which means you're gonna hit buildings, you're gonna hit those people that are sane and driving on the ground. Like, no. No, no, stop it. No, you're right, because it, it, it comes up with a lot of more crap in general. There's a yeah. lot of crap that goes with it. The You know, again, the whole idea, you run out of gas on the ground, guess what? You stop. You just stop. You can, no deal. You're a minor inconvenience. <laughs> you're minor. You are inconveniencing yourself. Yes. But you're not having an issue to where you're like killing other people unless you're like on lane four on the left all the way and you need to get all the way to the right that that's a whole different ball game but there is even certain things that go with that but in the air you still have to deal with gravity exactly so maybe this is one of those things where we could say look this is something that should stay science fiction yeah how about that let's keep certain things science fiction like flying cars, because none of you deserve them. None of us do it. I got to say, I don't either. I should not be given a flying device of any shape or form. Well, that's true. Because again, going back to what you said earlier, we were talking about how things back then are just normal for us today. Calling Mary Shelley, yes. uh, the author of Frankenstein, as the mother of science fiction is kind of odd because when I think of Frankenstein, I think of... Horror, horror because he's yeah, yeah he was one of, one of the main monsters he was the one of the godfathers of monsters and then you know you have your cryptids and stuff like that yeah so you got your mummy you've got uh frankenstein dracula uh the creature from the black lagoon oh my god yeah i forgot about him and then um the werewolf okay those right. are your five those are major five yeah i mean so, that's where he stems from but exactly it's all her science fiction right but because of the fact that she was dealing with the whole philosophy of playing god which we were talking th there's a whole thing about just that in general being that philosophy of uh, is that considered sci-fi or is it not but in the medical world because it's dealing with technology 
look at the, the ideas that came up from that. The idea that we can restart a human heart yeah. with electricity most of the time. That came from before then, then. didn't it? Yep. Because no. that book didn't come out until like the 1900s. No, before then. Did it really? Yeah. Uh, I believe yeah. it was Mary Shelley, I want to say, came out in 1816. 1816. Whew, yep. I was a little bit off. Just a little just, off. Just a little bit. But, just a barely noticeable. Just barely noticeable. Barely. The idea is that prior to then, you didn't know if you were dead or not, besides using the mirror or as something shiny to under your nose. That was it. And that's why a lot of people were being buried alive, which reminds me of the fact that exactly. Oh, no. Yeah. You can still go to some graveyards and they still have the little bells on them. Nothing is creepier. I mean, I don't go and hang out at cemeteries, mind you, but like. Yeah. If she, if she prick her finger, if she's still bleeding, that means she's still alive. Yes, that was that house episode. I don't know yeah. if anybody's seen that. Everybody thought the guy was dead, and then they mm -hmm. cut into him, and House yep. was like, "Hey, you don't you don't bleed when you're dead. It doesn't pump out of you." And they were like, "Whoops!" I'm like, "Whoops! <laughs> what do you mean, whoops? Yeah, this isn't a whoops situation, sir. But it's crazy because there's not much left. I feel like for sci-fi." You have to go to such extremes now. Back mm. in the beginning, it was, like we said, you know, holding a, a phone in your hand and being able yep. to communicate wirelessly. It was yep. having to that video conferencing capabilities and, you know, cordless phones, like that type of thing. And now it's like, okay, we have the tech. We have most of the AI. We have all of these different things. You have to go to these extremes. Yeah. Which you're either doing space travel, which again is its own genre, True. but it's still considered sci-fi. Or you have to do the crazy um, body modifications. I think they call the underground sci-fi. Isn't that what it is now too? Where people, the top of the earth is basically oh, yeah. dead. So now they're doing the like below ground. Like Gurren um, Lagann. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that anime. Red. Um, oh shoot. What was that? My wife was just telling me about that earlier. Uh, Red Crystal, I think it was called, was the series. Oh. It was about the people uh, living underground in Mars on the planet on Mars. It's there's ton. We could give you tons of examples, ladies and gentlemen, of all kinds of stuff. The Time Machine, one of my favorite H.G. Wells books of all mm -hmm. time, which, by the way, is something that we will never ever be able to do, because every time that we create something, we're already in the future. <laughs> It's just, I don't, it's you can't change the past. I no, mean, think of it realistically, as much fun as that, that's a huge sci-fi thing. Okay, there we go, time travel. Mm -hmm. Time but travel. the repercussions of a single action, is it truly worth it? And I know everybody has things they would go back and change. Trust me, we all have a million things we would go back, whether it's you trip that one time in front of somebody you liked, mm -hmm. to accidentally crashing your parents' car, whatever it may be. I want to go back to the ideas because again when we were talking about the idea that technology and sci-fi changes constantly yeah. but we've also stated before in previous episodes that there is no such thing as an original idea just mm -hmm. a different perspective of that same idea 
Yes. So when we were just talking about living underground, mm -hmm. do you know what one of the very first books uh, about a society underground was called? I, I, it's called, and I love how, and I love this name for one thing, but I also under, love the whole idea behind this. It is called Of One Blood or The Hidden Self by Pauline Hopkins. 1902-1903. And let me let me tell you a little bit about this because I like it because and anybody who is a Black Panther fan, you'll understand this too. Pauline Hopkins of One Blood follows Ruel, a Harvard-educated mixed-race man who passes for white who uncovers mind-blowing truths about African's history and its present when he stumbles upon a technologically advanced underground civilization beneath an archaeological dig site in Ethiopia. Yeah, and you know what you do? You turn the hell around and you leave them alone. <laughs> that, yeah. But that's like theory on everything. So what was it? They just discovered a new tribe in the Amazon, right? A vast majority of the Amazon is undiscovered because it is so fierce and insane. It yeah. actively tries to kill you so people don't go. They discover this tribe and they're like, oh, we're going to leave them alone. They are surviving. They are threat. They are living their damn life. Leave them alone. It's the same thing when they dug up that giant mummy with the golden eye and the weird thing. I'm like, first of all, what? bury it. <laughs> bury it. Leave it alone. We just got out of COVID, guys. Come on. Stop making things angry. What are you doing? There, there was, there was so many of these little videos. I love seeing them because the first thing that pops into my mind, like any other person, I specifically those of non-European bloodlines, <laughs> says the same thing. Put it back. Exactly. <laughs> yes. I'm just so that's one of those things where I always wonder: Do scientists, archaeologists, any of these things actually watch movies, TV shows, anything? Because they, you have The Mummy, right? Oh, good lord. Huge, amazing, amazing movie. Brandon Fraser, if you haven't watched it for some ungodly reason, you should. You go, you watch this dude fight with mummies. I don't count the third one. The third one was terrible. Yeah, we don't talk but about it. But you that. go, they mess with it, right? So what, yeah. what do people do in real life? They find these dang mummies and they start taking them out who did not see the mummy, okay? Like, again, sci-fi that is actively happening in our lives, okay? Yep. Don't touch the mummy. Don't touch the Amazonian tribe. Leave things alone. Yeah, and here's another thing. Here, I'm glad we're having this conversation because like these little things that you're bringing up, like, oh, let's go this way, let's go this way. Yes. Civilizations in general, okay? When we're trying to study, i.e., the the pyramids, not only in Egypt, but around the world, <laughs> and how they were there before anybody else. Oh yeah. And this is not me looking at it like, oh, this is Yeah, this, this is not conspiracy theory. This is dated, guys, like this, scientific data. This is truth. Okay, this is absolute truth because the way that they are uh, depicted in the hieroglyphics, everything was hand tools, right? Mm -hmm. There is no way in God's green earth that you could do that in a specific time frame without 
having some type of technology that was I mean, more than just hand tell. Hand I'm just saying, play a lot of video games. I had definitely built pyramids with my little axe and and shovel in Minecraft. Takes time, but you can do it. Boom. No, I absolutely agree. It's insane. <laughs> you did not chisel that thing out of anything. Back the Minecraft got you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> I'm playing Seven Days to Die. I am literally building a pyramid fortress. Because oh what are you going to do? You can't climb it. Come at me, bro. I'm freaking amazing at survival games. Anyways. Oh, Lord. Back on <laughs> Sci-fi. Technically, video games are sci-fi, too. If we think about it, I mean, so, and that's the that's the weird thing. So now you have that bridge of sci-fi fantasy, right? Yep. Is because there are certain things that are considered that they don't know how to define. So things like zombies, they're like, okay, that's that's fantasy, doesn't exist. But it's like it's also a sci-fi thing because scientists say there is a way for the brain to technically die, come back, and not be as it was. So that you have that sci-fi fantasy bridge. Now you have so much more to expand on that. But to me, that's still horror. Like as much as everybody wants to say, oh, zombie apocalypse, like this will be great. Have you guys ever seen The Walking Dead? This is not a game, guys. Like this is some real stuff. This is not on a, yes, do you not hear those people that do it all the time? It drives me insane. I'm like, look, no, Chelsea, that's why I live close to the ocean. Talk to Danny. Talk to Danny. Find out Danny's survival plan for the zombie apocalypse. Her and Corey have this thing down. I am telling you guys, we're going to have them on. They have it day by day. Yes. Okay, when we get to the horror part, we'll let me do bring... a yeah, special yeah. episode. Bring Danny and Corey on so you can hear their brilliant plans. Oh, dear Lord. I'll be terrified it's, to death. All right. Let, let's let's look at another one real, real quick. Metropolis. Metropolis is by Thea Von uh, Harbo. Harbu, H-A-R-B-O-U. I know I'm probably killing her last name. I apologize if anybody has that last name. But <laughs> the, no the novel came out in 1925, okay? It's an existential dread over automation might have begun with the Ludite Ludites, excuse me, in the early 19th century, but Thea von Harbu dragged their fears into the modern age with her 1925 novel, like Wells' time machine metropolis envisions a future in which and i love this part the lower classes labor tirelessly underground so that the rich can live in the lap of luxury above the novel created a domino effect of interpretations in other media inspiring the 1927 film directed by the author's husband fritz lang that inspired osamu uh, Osamu uh, Tezuka's 1949 manga, which in turn led to the 2001 anime film, all of the same time. Now I'm getting this information because I'm not just reading this myself. This came off the, the Book Riot website. So if you want to learn more about a lot of these uh, list of great uh, sci-fi books from the throughout the generations, go to bookriot.com. They've got a bunch of them right there in one of their uh, topics, but go ahead. Well, okay, so this is how we fix those rich people upstairs, okay? All those you do, remove those pillars, dig a little bit. You know what happens? Gravity's a big butthead. Big. Yeah, it's a big problem. Uh, so <laughs> it just sucks the whole city down. Guess what, guys? Everybody gets to go 
you can have your life bring down the rich people now we've always had to deal with capitalism we've all dealt with the whole idea of the rich get richer the poor get poorer and all these other things but when we're looking at this think about what happened in the early 2000s or is it 2010s when we had that the, these young people i don't want to say these young people <laughs> like i'm damn at that time I, yeah i know damn those young people being you know pro taking action proactive mm -hmm. in everything they do but you remember when they were going against wall street mm -hmm. and standing against the one percent metropolis 1925 because it there's always somebody worse off there's always going to be somebody who wants more and i think maybe that's why sci-fi is such a huge part and why people like it even reading about things that are only slightly different than how they are now is because it's that genre that is starting to bridge the here and there where yeah. it's okay this is actually possible and i think that's one of the things that lee schneider does with his book surrender that we mm -hmm. talked later this week that he mm -hmm. kind of really got a hold of. And he did that division of this is where we could potentially be ending up. Right. And here's the other thing. Like you said, that everybody's going to have a different viewpoint on this. Everybody's going to have a different way of thinking what their utopia is. And mm -hmm. peace is a great thing to have. Peace is great to try to have in the world today. But again, there is certain things that have to happen to keep it going. And like you said, common ground. You have to have common ground on everything. Even if you disagree on certain things, we all disagree on politics. We all disagree on religions. We all disagree on what the fa your favorite color is. I don't know. There's so many different things. Mine's purple. But the other thing is, is that when we're looking at this, it gives us a sense of how it's evolving even mm -hmm. in the literature how it's evolving how it's inspiring you know the next generation of uh, authors the next generation of people that are part of this when you're looking at sci-fi there's all kinds of genres there's all different types of ways you can look at it we we know the subgenres are just all over the place and that chelsea hates them all of them i hate them but Sci-fi is an expanding genre with even how far that we have come and how much of sci-fi that we are actually living that no longer counts as sci-fi anymore. And the fact that it's actually inspiring real life sci-fi. Yes. It's not even sci-fi more. It's just science. Mm -hmm. We never thought that we'd have a whole educational part of just STEM, but we do now. They teach STEM. It's all mm -hmm. science, technology, and I don't remember what the other two, the I think it's education and medical, something like that. It's there for you to read, enjoy, but also to encourage and inspire you to actually go out and try to make it. Mm -hmm. Except for the flying cars. Let's just 
not do that. No. If we're going to do any hover, just do a hoverboard. It's only like a couple inches off the ground. It works. Compromise. Look at that. Compromise. Utopia. We've done it, guys. Let's just let's just try not to get any friction. You know, hoverboards are great. Hover cars, not a good thing either because there's no friction unless you have sparks and that can cause fires. We don't want to go down that way. Anyways, we all have different laws that go with it. There was another another gentleman by the name of Isaac Asmuth. We all have different ways of doing it. And there's always has to be some type of law in your sci-fi. What are the three things that keep your sci-fi world in check? What are the three laws that keep you in check when you're writing? That's my question for the week for everybody. In the comments on YouTube, by the way, all our videos are going to be on YouTube now each week. So you can find us there. You can see our ridiculous faces and the surroundings around us and the way that we actually are. Unless Frank, our editor, actually does his job and gets rid of some of that stuff. But don't worry, those will be in the blooper reel later on by the end of the year, hopefully. When you're writing your book, what are the three things that are going to keep you in check, your characters in check, your world building in check? What are the things that will not happen, but also keep everybody safe? Or as a reader, what are three things you like in all of the books that you read, whether it's consistency, character-wise, setting? Let us know your top three favorites. Exactly. Until next time, folks, you know where to find us at beyondthepenpodcast.com. We're all over social media at Beyond the Pen Podcast or at Beyond the Pen Pod, or you can find us on Traverse TV and tell us exactly what you want us to talk about because we love having these little conversations. So until next time, folks, keep writing, keep inspiring, keep sharing, and keep unleashing your creativity. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen.